Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. He's awesome. So glad you're here in person, and those of you that are joining us online as well, we want to welcome you. I do want to thank the Lord that my tithe, my Kim and I's tithe check was found. I told you all in the first service, you guys that weren't here, that somewhere around the campus I lost it. They were pulling my phone in and out of my pocket doing whatever, and it was found in the nursery, so I'm grateful uh, that we got that and put that in here. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. I, I live under the delusion that everybody hears what I'm saying. I do. I mean, it's a little bit of a fault, too, but I'm just, I'm happy to be in my little deluded self and delusional self and think that everybody's hearing every word that I'm saying, and your life's being transformed because of what God's doing through it. Now, I just want you to know that if you don't hear what's going on today, that's on you, because God's ready to talk, and he's going to talk through me, even though it's me. He doesn't care who it is. He's just going to talk, all right? Seriously, I want you to hear him. God has something to say to us today, and I'm excited about what he wants to say, and I know the enemy never wants us to hear what he has to say, because he's the distractor, he's the destroyer, and he wants everything messed up in your life, and if you're living in brokenness, it's because the enemy is in there, and he's screwing it up. If you're ready to listen, God wants to help to give you some solid ground to stand on, and he wants to do that, and it's his desire to make it happen. This is the last week that we have. Well, next week is not the last week we have. Well, maybe. You never know when Jesus is coming. <laughs> but next week is Christmas is what I'm trying to say. That was a very bad introduction to that. Uh, we are <laughs> All right. So if it is our last week, are you ready? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, as we travel through this week, this next Saturday is uh, our toy run. And thank you for you guys are awesome every year with your donations to people. Um, we have needy families that we're going to be reaching out to and ministering to and, and driving over to them. I've had a lot of people ask me, and this is where I think everybody hears me, but then I get questions afterwards. So if you don't listen to anything else, would you hear this? There are no directions for the toy run yet. You haven't missed it. We don't have any. It will be in, in place by next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. I'm sure of it. That's when the toy run starts. So if you haven't heard anything yet, just show up here at 9 a.m., uh, 8.45 next Saturday. If you show up at 9, you may be alone in the parking lot. But if you show up at 8.45 next Saturday, you will have a plan and know where you're going. And uh, so just keep that in mind. And then next Saturday evening at 6 o'clock, we'll open the doors for communion. We're not going to have a normal service, whatever that may be. We're going to just have communion. So we're going to have music playing. We're going to let you come in. I'm going to serve you as a family, individually, however you desire. But I'm going to be here with God and uh, whoever else shows up, and we're going to have communion. So it's going to be a little bit different, but it's different on purpose. You know that I'm committed to change, and that's why your seats are all jacked up. Since we had to remove them out to do all the lights and all the different things that we're still working on, uh, I decided this morning, uh, as I was setting up the chairs, that they were going to go up a different way, so you have a different perspective and a different look and a little bit of uncomfortableness to make you pay attention. So... Who knows what it'll be next week, but we're glad you're here today. I want to say thank you to the guys that were here working all week long. Uh, we do have new lights. Things are still being worked on, so please like, just be patient as we go through everything and try and get everything in place uh, in the lighting, the computer systems that are attached to all this stuff that happens. It's to try and help us, not only in-house, but those online that worship and are there. 
to enhance that ability for God's word to go out in a better way for people that are watching online as well. So just be patient. But there's been guys working here on their volunteer time uh, throughout the week, and some of them were here until 1.30 last this morning. Uh, trying to get things in place and so we showed up at 5 30 this morning to put the chairs back in place and just to be able to have church and so it's so awesome what God does and how he provides and what he's doing and I want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you not just to those that were doing this but everybody that serves every single week and throughout the week to make um, a difference in other people's lives. That's what it's all about. And Jesus wants to do amazing stuff for us, okay? So next Sunday, you know that we're only having one service at what time? 10.30. Okay, so the rest of you that didn't answer that, it's at 10.30 next Sunday. And the week after that will be January 1st at 10.30 as well. One service, 10.30, come on out. Okay, I realize it's Christmas morning, but it is all about Jesus. Let's not forget that. And... However many years ago, it's like seven or whatever, there's a leap year in there, maybe, I don't know how many years ago it was, Christmas came on Sunday, and I heard about churches not having service. I was like, seriously, I mean, I was baffled and blown away. I'm like, are you kidding me that we're not having church because Christmas falls on Sunday? I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's about Jesus. Now, I get it that you got family stuff, but Hello. Come on, man. Anywho, let's move on so we don't get ourselves in trouble. Uh, let's, let's do this. So we're going to read a scripture today that is one of my life verses and probably many of yours. It's very common. And so of the Old Testament verses, everybody knows Psalm 23 and everybody should know Proverbs 3. So as I read in Proverbs 3, usually you hear Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But a few years back, God began to prompt me on verse 7 and include it, and you'll understand why he prompted me, and maybe he's going to prompt you today, but let's hear what God's word says. You ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Okay, now most people know that one. That's in all the memes or whatever you want to call those things that people send out constantly. Um, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> that, kind of, that didn't sound very nice when I said that. But it's God's word, and you should read it and know what it says. But that's the verses that you normally hear, is just those two. But let's hear verse 7. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So you see, when he's talking about trusting the Lord and not your own understanding, and then he says, don't be impressed with your own, in other words, don't think you've got it figured out, don't think you know everything, you've got to surrender what you think you know to the one who does know, and you've got to trust him in the process. All right, so stop thinking you've got it figured out. All right, I, I know I don't have it figured out. I'm learning as I go, and I'm learning more how I don't know much. In the scriptures that we're reading here today, there's so much powerful truth and so much that we need to learn. If you've been around in a church for any length of time, this church I'm saying, you know that I am speaking to you about surrender. There you go, see? And if you haven't been around for a while, you're going to hear it today and you're going to hear it as long as you come around or you watch online. Surrender, trust, and obey. It was several years back now, but not that long ago. That as I was praying and walking with the Lord and just talking to him and listening to him and reading the scriptures, I realized 
that there was a pattern in my life that I had not established, nor did I plan for, but that God led me in. And as the Holy Spirit was leading my life throughout the years, I began to look and I could see specific places where God brought me that required me to surrender, trust, and obey. And I began to see those markers back in my life. And I was like, wow, yeah, there, 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 there. And I began to see those things. And as I came up to this realization in the moment, I was like, man, God, it's awesome that I see this now looking back to know that as I go forward, that there's going to be more times that God brings me to this place where he's like, Dave, right now you got to surrender. And in the surrender, you're going to have to fully trust me. And then I'm going to ask you to step across that line. That's obedience. And so church, I want you to know that God is speaking to every single one of us somewhere in our life where he is calling us to a point, and I, I believe this with all my heart, that you are hearing from God in some capacity that it's a time for surrender. It's a time to trust, and it's a time to take action in obedience. I absolutely know this is true. Now, as we move into this then, Life is going to continue to bring us into these moments because this is not isolated with Dave. I began to see this taught in Scripture, and I see it in the lives of the people in the Word of God as God brings them to those places where they have to trust Him in that moment, surrender to what He's saying, and then act in it. So, in the surrender, you may not have all the information. Rarely does God give us all the information. See, it would require no faith if we knew what we were doing ahead of time. We just do it. All right, but God brings us to this place that is a faith relationship, and he's asking us to surrender because surrender requires also trusting him, and now by faith I have to take action, and therefore it may not all make sense to us. It may not even be the logical choice. Coming here back 17 and a half years ago, was not Dave's logical choice. It wasn't. You already know it required to surrender, trust, and obey to come here. I love it here. Don't misunderstand me. I didn't love it here. I do love it here. It required to surrender, trust, and obedience to find out that I love it here. That I love the people here. That I love where God has placed me. But in the logical choice, bawling my eyes out in the Alvernon Doubletree, begging God not to make me come here, I was convinced that this was not the place that I was to go. And I was convinced that God needed to understand that. And so I was pleading with him not to bring me here, right? Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. Logic can get in the way of what God is saying to us. That doesn't mean that we Throw out logic. Don't misunderstand me, but let's look at what God's word says. It says to us right here, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. So when we think about that, we have got to engage God in the heart because the brain can get in the way. And you already know this, that if you've already engaged God by faith and you have a relationship with him, he tells us that he saves us and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now, the thing that's between God and my heart is my head. 
<laughs> Here's where all the battles happen. It's all there. And it's this understanding that is my problem. I think I understand things. And God's like, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You've got to trust me. And there are times in our life where our brain will tell us everything else but trust. Now, God doesn't tell us, throw away everything in your brain. He doesn't say, like, don't use that thing anymore. Though some people tend to do that at times. Like, he wants us to use our brain. He does. But what he's asking us to do is to trust him in our heart, past our brain. When it comes down to logic versus God, throw logic out. That's the bottom line. Okay? Now... As we walk with this relationship with God in our heart, this aspect of struggle that we have is that we have all trusted in the past, and as a result of that trust, we've been hurt. Y'all been hurt, right? I mean, if you haven't, you haven't been living in the real world, right? Uh, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm saying we get hurt here. And what happens is we trust people, and then the people that we have trusted hurt us. And now when God says, trust me, that brain kicks in and says, that means hurt. And I don't want to hurt. And since I have experienced hurt in trust, I am now being called to trust God and I have got to surrender that hurt to trust. Hmm. See, trusting makes us vulnerable. It does. And we can't have a relationship with God without being vulnerable. We have to be open. We've got to completely surrender and trust Him. And if we don't and we reserve back, then we don't have the fullness of the relationship that He desires for us. And so when God is in in giving us this invitation, come to me, trust me, don't rely on your understanding. He's saying, you've got to surrender all that stuff back there so that you can fully trust me today, act in obedience, and then we can get places where I want to take you. Now, church, as we deal with this, we're going to step into Isaiah 26. Now, as we look at Isaiah 26, by the way, you're not um, having flashes, that's the light problem that we're aware of. Okay, we're working on that. So uh, just so we keep on track of where we're going, Isaiah 26 says this. Listen to God's word. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in God always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. Remember that thing about, you know, don't think you're so wise. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and the oppressed trample it under feet and the needy walk all over it. But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. Isn't that awesome? Church, it's everywhere in the Bible. 
We look at what God's saying to us. He's like, listen to this order. Listen to what God just said to us. Peace is there for those who trust in God. If you're not experiencing peace in your heart, peace in your life, maybe you're not trusting God. Just maybe. Okay, listen to what he tells us. The, the peace comes from trusting in the one God, the one true God, trusting in him. And this is what he says. And then whose thoughts are fixed on you. So now listen to the order. The relationship brings peace to our heart. We trust him. In that trust now, my thoughts have to come in line with the trust, not my own understanding. We are connecting with God's trust truth, not my truth or understanding. And then when that happens, he says that we're on the rock, solid foundation. That is God. And so he says, if you will trust me, he will guide us and he will make the path not so steep you can't make it and not so rough you can't walk on it. Right? Okay, church, so it's all in the process of saying yes to God, surrendering, trusting him, and acting in obedience to whatever he is talking to you about. Everything that I see in the scriptures and what we're dealing with today is pointing us to this direction for our lives. Now, it says right there, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws, right? Okay, so see, the action still has to take place. It's easy for us to say, oh, I trust you, God, or I trust you. But the trust has to take action. That's the surrender part. The surrender is that I am going to take you at your word. I'm going to trust that you know the outcome and that it's the right outcome. Now I'm going to act in obedience to it. So it's the action that fulfills the trust, that fulfills the surrender. They have to go together. You can't just say it. There's got to be action behind it. And if we are not acting in it, then we're in trouble. Okay? And it's not going to work. Now, God, this God we're talking about, he doesn't have any boundaries. He is not ruled by time, by circumstances in life, by any gravity laws, natural laws, supernatural laws, by space or anything else. God is not bound by time. We referenced the scripture last week in Genesis where he talked to Abraham and Moses and said, tell the children of Israel, today's the first day of the first uh, month of the first year. So God just said in the middle of whatever was going on, doesn't matter what the calendar says, today's 111, right? We read that in Genesis 12. God doesn't care. He's not bound by anything that we are bound by. And so this is where we have to engage God in trust and not our own understanding. You can still keep your old calendar on the wall or you can take it down and put up a new one. We put up the new one when we're saying, God says today's January 1st of the year one. Now I am engaging in that calendar and I'm no longer engaging in that calendar. Now everybody else says that's the right one. But God says, this is the only one, right? Okay, so when we're looking at this and we see this about him, we're going to look in Romans 4 and we're going to talk about Abraham. If you don't know the Old Testament Bible and what's there, this is another affirmation of the truth of God's word. God made a covenant with Abraham that he was going to have a son 
and that he was going to birth through Abraham a covenant and a relationship that not only would bring forth the Savior of the world, but that he would bring forth nations through him. The nation of Israel today exists because of that covenant with God in history, with Abraham. Okay, like people that say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. I'm like, well, there is a nation that exists today because God said so, and it's recorded in the Bible. So deal with it, right? I mean, here's where we are. So now in Romans 4, listen to what God says to us here. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, church, before I go on, we're not going to be reading here in Romans the entire details of what God spoke to Abraham. But just like when God spoke to the children of Israel while they were still in captivity, this is the first day of the first month of the first year for you from this day forward. God told Abraham, you're going to be the father of a son, but you're going to be a father of many nations. And he didn't even have a child yet. And he was already past the age of having kids. Okay, now I have made you the father of many nations. God said this future tense to a man and woman that had no kids that were already unable to have them. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's the God we serve right there, man. Yeah. Praise God, man. We need to celebrate that. It's like he believed him when everything in the brain says that ain't happening. He believed that this God that he served, the God he made a covenant with, had the ability to bring dead back to life, creates new things out of nothing. Keep reading now. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. <laughs> Man, that blesses my heart. It's... <laughs> Doesn't matter how bleak it looks. Doesn't matter how I feel what everyone else is seeing. When God has spoken, it will come to pass. And Abraham hoped, no matter what was going on in the moment, no matter what was happening, no matter what everyone else was saying, no matter if the doctor told him, you can't, Sarah can't, it won't. He hoped, and he kept on hoping because God said so. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. He said, look at the stars. Look at the sand. That's how many descendants you're going to have, Abraham. All of this while he was childless. <laughs> and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. <laughs> Man, oh, I love how God's word is so beautiful. It's amazing. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Man, is that good stuff or what, man? That's God's word, church. Praise God. Seriously. <laughs> That is so cool. Okay, so 
God gave that promise to Abraham the first time when he was 75 years old. He was already past the age of having kids. Sarah and he could not have children. They had tried. Okay, and this is God's word, remember? So for 25 years, God had given him that covenant promise that he would have a kid, and it didn't happen. 25. I've only been your pastor for 17 and a half years, right? 25 years he was waiting for one kid. And he was already too old to have one when he got the promise. So it's like, man, God doesn't have to make sense to us. God is God. Okay, so here's the deal. Like, when you think about this, and I'm going to just be blunt because they're human beings like us. Just if Sarah was still having a period every month, for those 25 years or... It wasn't 25 years, because we'll get to that in a second. She stopped having one, and she wasn't pregnant. And then it tells us right there in Romans, right? Her womb was dead. In other words, she'd already gone through menopause. It was past any opportunity for her to have a child. The physical body of Abraham and Sarah were unable to produce what God said they would produce. And every sign and logical, common sense reason said it's not going to happen. And yet, <laughs> there came Isaac. <laughs> God said a son and a nation. Nations were part of it. All who believe are part of the, the covenant with God. And so he is the God of nations. And Abraham is the father of nations. Man, God is amazing, isn't he? So Abraham's faith and trust in God, he knew that God was able to do what he promised. It required his surrender, trust, and obedience. And that is faith. Now, we only, the, here, I want to make sure that we get this part, okay? So everybody wake up. <laughs> I can't see you because the lights are blinding me. I know you're here. All right, so <laughs> they're not really. We're good. Listen to me. This is important that you hear this, okay? We don't tempt God with our faith. God speaks and we act on what he says. We don't tell God what to say and invite him to do something to prove he's God and say that we surrender trust and obeyed him. See, when we look at the scriptures, Abraham didn't say, I'm going to be the father of many nations. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And because God said it, he believed it. So Abraham wasn't trying to make God do something for him where he gives him a kid. God said, I'm going to give you a kid. All right, make sure we stay in the process of what God is saying. And let's look at what Jesus said in the whole process of him walking on the water and calling Peter. Matthew 14. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them, walking on the water. Before I read any further, you remember we were just talking about God doing things that he has no limitations or boundaries. Walking on water. Nobody walks on water. That's because he's God. He can do whatever he wants. That doesn't make sense to you and I. Doesn't matter. God did it. Let's go on. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. 
But Jesus spoke to them and said at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. I love it. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward him. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Yeah, isn't that awesome stuff right there? So let's just pause and listen to this for a second, okay? When Peter asked Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you, he didn't say, hey, I'm coming out to you. He said, if that's you, let me come to you. Peter didn't get out of the boat yet. Listen, church. Peter said, yes. I mean, Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter surrendered and trust and obeyed by the invitation given from Jesus to do the impossible. Now, as we look at this thing then, he didn't step out of the boat thinking he'd do it. Jesus said, yes, and come. Because of this, he was stepping in by faith and taking action to an invitation that God was giving. Church, today, I want you to know that if you're stepping out of the boat, you have to step out at the invitation of God, not jumping out to prove that you trust him. If you just jump out because you want to, you're going to sink. If you're responding to an invitation from God to surrender, trust, and obey, you're going to walk. It doesn't matter what your brain says, you're going to walk. Peter did the impossible because he trusted in the one who gave the invitation. He sank when he got distracted by his brain. When he saw other things, when he saw reality, storm, winds, water, waves. I'm walking on water. No, he saw the storm. And when he saw the storm, he got distracted from Jesus and he began to sink. So look, I'm not making fun of Peter. He got out of the boat. The other 11 guys were in the boat still. Nobody else said, can I come too? All right, so I don't want to make fun of Peter and say what a a lack of faith this dude had. No, he actually got out and walked down water. We don't know how far, but he walked on it. It was more than one step because it says he walked. So there were steps involved before he started sinking. Now look, church, the brain engages and says you can't walk on water. And as soon as the brain engaged that you can't walk on water, there's a storm happening. Then he began to sink. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? I'm right here. Okay, church, let's go on in this. Let's keep this fresh as we step into this next area. Jesus challenges the faith of Peter, saying, why did you doubt? Now then, we don't see Peter, the water walker, Ever again in Scripture. I'm talking about he never walked on water again. We see Peter again. But guess what? When Peter travels further in Scripture, he's in a boat. When he goes fishing again, he's in a boat. So it wasn't like he owned that and said, from now on, I'll walk on water by faith. 
There was no need to ever walk on water again, nor was he called to do it. Okay, so sometimes we try and do stuff because God did something in the past. He's not asking us to do now. We've got to act in obedience to what God is speaking to us now. (laughs) Okay, so I know someone uh, that not too long ago we were having a conversation. There's nobody in the church, so none of you or nobody online that I know of, Uh, but I'm just, and there's no names involved here. I'm just going to use this as an illustration. This person told me that they had been trying to walk on the pool water in their backyard. I, uh, I'm not trying to laugh or anything. I didn't laugh at them in front of them, and I'm not laughing at them now. I'm smiling because, because all they got was wet, okay? <laughs> okay, but I mean, seriously, this person was doing this for some time. Now, again, I'm not making fun of them. I want you to hear what my point is and what God's saying to us, right? It's like... Why were you trying to walk on the water of your pool? Why? What, what would be the purpose and the reason? I mean, God didn't say, go walk on your pool water, or they could have. But what would be the purpose? See, the purpose in Jesus walking on the water and calling Peter was what we find out when they get in the boat. All the disciples said, you are the Son of God. You are him. See, there was all glory given to Jesus. Nobody was like, Peter, you walked on water, man. That's awesome. It wasn't about Peter. It was about Jesus. And see, when we do stuff because we want to be doing stuff, then that's not about him. And God's not inviting us to do stuff to bring glory to us or attention to us or for us to do supernatural things so that we have super, super powerful faith. I mean, he's God. Whatever God does is because of him. If anything happens in your life or mine, it's because of him. It's not because of us. And it's only when we surrender to him and do what he asks that anything God-like can ever happen. I mean, he's trying to tell us, like, look, let's do this thing. If you keep trying to walk on your pool water, I can tell you two things. You're going to get wet. And you're going to get discouraged. You're going to do that because you're like trying to get God to do something that he never asked you to do. So why are we doing it? Why don't we just do what he did ask? (laughs) That would be awesome. Just yes to what he's talking to us about. Church, that's what we're dealing with. Everybody wants to know the extra the supernatural in the future and it's like god's just saying like hey can you just like trust me right now (laughs) let's not deal with that stuff until we get this right here surrendered trusting and obedient step into what you already know god has said to you okay so you see we're not like asked by that scripture in in, uh, both isaiah and proverbs and everywhere else to just like Get rid of your understanding. We're supposed to use our brain so that we don't try and walk on our pool water on our own just to say that, I don't know what. I I was still like, I was so in awe of listening that I didn't even say like, why? (laughs) I'm still 
there. But anyway, you know, we just got to trust God with what he's saying because when we do what God says, the impossible is possible and it becomes possible and it's real. Okay, so now as we're stepping into this moment, there's two things that God wants to bring to us in the conclusion of this service. First off, have you accepted Christ as your own personal savior? Okay, so hear me now. The voice of God called you into that relationship, so he prompted you. Some people like say, I didn't hear a voice. No, you didn't. You felt the Spirit of God drawing you. Whatever that uh, terminology you want to use of prompting, feelings, uh, guilty, uh, conviction, voice, whatever that is, I don't care what you call it, it was God that brought you into that relationship. If you have that relationship, then that is the voice of God that you heard. Today, you have to re-engage with that voice, that prompting, to be able to know what God is saying to you today. And so, I know that God is speaking to us, otherwise we wouldn't even be talking about this today. All of us want to stay in the boat, someplace where we're secure, where it's familiar, where we're comfortable. And God's like, you know, it's okay if you use a boat, but today I want you to step out. And so wherever you are in your walk with God, whatever he's dealing with you personally about, he's calling you. Yes, it is him. And he's saying, come, step over the edge and trust me. And so when we do the the altar call right now, this is what we're doing. It's like Jesus is calling and saying, yes, come. Come for salvation. Come for the next surrender, trust, and obedience that he has been talking to you about. If God is not talking about something and you're like, I don't even know where I'm at or where I've been, I always tell people then just wait a second. First off, wait on God and don't do anything. You may end up wet if you try and do something on your own. Just relax. First off, are you being obedient to what you already know God has said to you before? So if I haven't heard from him recently, I say, go back to when you did. What did he say there? Did you do it? If you didn't do it, hello, probably time to do it. If you are doing it and you are living right now in this moment and you're not sure of the next step, stay in the boat and don't do anything. Wait on God. Let him call you. But man, when he's calling and he's prompting and he's saying, then whatever you do, get out of that boat, man. Make the move because God knows what he's doing and he's trying to do something in our life that only God can do. He is the God of the impossible and he wants to do something impossible for you, but you've got to let go. So stand with me and here's the call. Will you surrender, trust, and obey today? Whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you about, you need to respond to him. No one else. Him. This altar's open and he is calling Holy Spirit, it's only your voice, only your promptings that is allowed to anyone that can hear my voice in this room or outside, online, or wherever they are. We rebuke the enemy, the liar, and the deceiver in Jesus' name. We bind him and forbid him to speak in Jesus' name. Only you, Holy Spirit.
okay to hear them, church. I trust you to be obedient to them today. The altar is open. Step out. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. They can stay in the boat if they want to, but if he's calling you out, step over the edge. Don't wait. But wait until he calls. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today. Thank you for your faithful Holy Spirit for speaking to us, for calling us into relationship with you. You are amazing, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for listening to him. Continue to do that. Let's go forth and be his church, and we'll come back here, God willing, for communion on Saturday, but also next service, next Sunday for a 1030 service, okay? You are dismissed. God bless you. We bless you, and thank you for coming. Thank you. Amen.